What is up everyone? It's Quinn here and I'm pretty excited about today's video. I'm going to be going through and re-ranking the 2023 draft class. So pretty much like my updated dynasty rookie rankings. So going through my top 24, this will be super flex um, and then splitting these players up into tiers. I think this has been a very interesting start to the season for the rookies. There are some players that were not first round picks in your rookie drafts that are now locked in as first round values. There are some players that were picked pretty highly who have struggled to start off the season. So I think it's kind of an interesting balance between how we view these players heading into the season compared to what we've seen through the first four weeks. But if you guys enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I think there's probably going to be a lot of variance on how people are viewing these rankings. So I want to hear your guys' opinions also. Who do you think is too high? Who do you think is too low? Maybe who's someone you're higher on than consensus? Let me hear it down below in the comment section. But let's dive into tier one. And I feel like heading into uh, 2023 rookie drafts, there was pretty much a consensus 101. Bijan Robinson was the number one rookie pick in pretty much every single draft. I think now with the way some of these quarterbacks have played, tier one, I actually have three players in this tier. So I think the order could be kind of switched around. But my 101 now would be Anthony Richardson. My number two would be Bijan Robinson. And then my number three would be CJ Stroud. These are all going to be tier one options for me. And looking at Anthony Richardson, he was someone who was kind of considered more of a project quarterback coming into the uh, NFL. And he has come out in his first three games or like two and a half because he left the one with a concussion. He has looked very impressive to start off the season. There are obviously some errors he can improve on. His accuracy can be a little bit off, but I feel like he just goes out and makes up for that because he can make some freakish throws that a lot of other quarterbacks are not able to make. And then we knew we were drafting him for that elite rushing upside. Um, through two and a half quarters, he has 131 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. As a rookie, he's showcasing that he has high-end QB1 upside. If he's showing that as a rookie, I mean, he is going to be a locked-in top 10 dynasty asset moving forward. It seems like he has, I mean, been a hit through four weeks. I do think he has that ceiling to compete with some of the elite options at the position, and that's why he's my 101 here. It just comes down to that upside. Nothing against Bijan Robinson. He's done nothing to get moved down. It's just the value of quarterbacks and super flex leagues, and Richardson looks like a stud moving forward. Bijan is going to be my number two, and like I said, nothing against him with why he's moved down. He has completely lived up to the expectations through four weeks. He's currently third in rushing and receiving yards. He's first in receptions, fourth in target share, and I think he's the locked-in dynasty running back one. So still really like Bijan as like a first-round startup pick. And then the final player in Tier 1 is going to be CJ Stroud. And I'd say from a real-life NFL perspective, Stroud's probably been the most impressive rookie quarterback. Obviously, Richardson gets a huge bump for the rushing upside in fantasy, but real-life NFL... Stroud has been fantastic. He's averaging over 300 passing yards per game and has not thrown a single interception. I mean, that would be crazy for like an elite high-level quarterback. The fact that he has done that through four games as a rookie is insane. Even crazier when you factor in that the O-line has been completely banged up and is just now starting to get healthy, like heading into week five here. So just like these other guys, I think Stroud is also a locked in, um, probably first round dynasty pick. I was looking through the quarterbacks and I feel like at worst he would be like quarterback 10. Like I think the lowest you could reasonably rank him was like a top 10 quarterback. So a very impressive start for CJ Stroud. Now shifting into tier two, this was a pretty tough tier to kind of differentiate between. I ended up going with Puka Nakua, then Devon Achan, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and Bryce Young. Starting off with Puka here, 
I mean, he has had a historic start to his career. This was a guy that was pretty consistently picked outside the top three rounds in rookie drafts, maybe even four rounds. Four games into his NFL career, he has caught 39 passes for 501 receiving yards. He is leading the NFL in targets and receptions. He's second in receiving yards, fourth in target share, sixth in target rate. He is PFF's wide receiver five, so just another kind of metric to back it up. And he's averaging 23.9 PPR points per game. And that production might dip a little bit with Cooper Cup coming back, but I feel like the four-game sample size we've seen out of Puka Nakua, this dude is legit. I still think he's going to produce with Cooper Cup. Maybe it's more of like a wide receiver two level, but I mean, Cooper Cup's getting up there in age. Puka is going to be a stud wide receiver moving forward. Then the next, um, you know, back-to-back players here, Devon Achan and Jameer Gibbs. I did kind of go back and forth on which player I'd have, you know, leading these two guys. And I ended up settling with Devon Achan, and Jameer Gibbs does have that locked-in draft capital, which is obviously not as strong with Devon Achan, but I feel like Achan is out here in year one playing the role that we would have liked to see out of Jameer Gibbs, like on a great offense. So like Gibbs, this is the role we wanted for him, right? What Devon Achan is doing right now. He's really been involved in the offense for like two games. Week one, he was inactive, um, and then week two, he was just operating as like the RB3, barely got in. But week three, that's really where he started. 18 carries, 203 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Then he also caught four passes for 30 yards and two touchdowns. Then in week four, he carried it eight times for 101 yards and two touchdowns, and then caught three passes for 19 yards. He is the highest rushing yards over expected, and he also has the highest rushing yards over expected per attempt, and he is nearly double the next best running back in that metric. He is PFF's number one running back by far. And even though he's not going to be a workhorse just due to his size, this is just like the dream situation, the dream start to his career. It looks like he's going to be leading this committee. Um, He's going to be involved as a pass catcher. He has that big playability naturally, but then when you pair his you know, big playability, his athleticism, his speed, you pair that in a Mike McDaniel offense. I mean, his weekly ceiling is very, very high. So I like A-Chan here, and that's why I do have him ahead of Jameer Gibbs. Now, I feel like some people are going to kind of plummet Jameer Gibbs in their rankings after a slow start. I don't think that's fair at all. I think in redraft, people are also kind of going overboard on panicking on him. Remember, he is still an elite receiving prospect. He has draft capital that you just don't see at the running back position. And I still think in this split with David Montgomery... I still believe he can give you like fringe running back one production, but I do think his ceiling does seem capped as long as David Montgomery is there because for A-Chan, that's like the dream situation for these backs that aren't going to be workhorses. You lead a strong committee. Right now, Jameer Gibbs can work his way into that committee, but he's definitely not leading it and he's really not close to leading it at this point. So I still think he's going to be fine long-term, but I do think I had to put A-Chan ahead of him. Now, the next player is going to be Jameer Gibbs' teammate, and it's going to be Sam Laporta, and his rookie season production has been pretty wild so far. The tight end position is notorious for not putting up you know, rookie season production. It's kind of the thing every year, you want to fade the rookies and redraft. Well, Sam Laporta did not get that memo because through four weeks, he's caught 22 passes for 242 yards and a touchdown. He's currently leading all tight ends in receiving yards. He's number two in yards after the catch, number three in receptions, and then number four in fantasy points per game targets, target share, and target rate. I think he's pretty universally now viewed as like a top five fantasy tight end rest of season. The fact that he's getting that type of respect in his rookie year, 
I mean, that is a great sign for him moving forward and could be someone who ends up being a high-end tight end one for a very, very long time. And then wrapping up this tier with Bryce Young, it feels weird having Young this low because he was pretty much like consensus pick two or three in most rookie drafts. And I do think you could argue him maybe like the highest would be like on top of this tier. I don't know how many people would take Bryce Young over Puka at this point, but I do think you could have him a few spots higher. I think it's a tough look for Bryce Young because he's struggling. And then you combine that with CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson overachieving. It just makes the Bryce Young situation feel worse. And Bryce Young can still definitely turn into a solid starting NFL quarterback. We are only three games into his NFL career, so I'm definitely not burying him at this point, but it definitely hasn't been a good start. He's currently the second worst uh, quarterback per PFF, only behind Desmond Ritter. And I feel like the dynasty concerns about Bryce Young kind of having a low ceiling feel pretty real at this point. The debate between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson at like that 2-3 pick behind Bijan, it was, all right, Richardson's way riskier. He doesn't really have much of a floor. He could just totally flame out, but he has that crazy high ceiling. For Bryce Young, it was like he may not have that elite ceiling, but he's the safer option. It's going to be hard to miss on that pick. And unfortunately, Richardson is outperforming Bryce Young, and Bryce Young is no longer seeming like the safer option at this point. He doesn't have that upside because he doesn't have crazy arm talent. He's also not going to deliver a ton of rushing production. So the fact that he's struggled early on, that safety is not feeling as great, he's not in a great offensive situation, um, and so it just hasn't been a great start for Bryce Young. I think also, you look at a guy like CJ Stroud, and then you look at Bryce Young, and you say, all right, Bryce Young's been in a rough situation. I think a lot of people would have gone back and forth on which spot was worse, going to the Texans offense or going to the Panthers offense. C.J. Stroud has gone out there and elevated his offense. Bryce Young has not been able to do that. So that's why he uh, does kind of fall here. Still very valuable and super flex. Definitely can't uh, give up on him at this point, but that does explain the fall there. Now, tier three, we're going to have three different wide receivers. It's going to be Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba and say Flowers. I've liked what I've seen out of uh, Jordan Addison through four games. I feel like it's you know pretty much what a lot of people expected. Didn't really shake up his ranking a ton. He has uh, three games with 50 plus receiving yards, and that's while playing the wide receiver three snaps. I'm just excited to see him operate as the uh, wide receiver two at some point throughout the season. Then behind him, we have JSN, and he's been a pretty much a non-factor to start off the season. 12 receptions for 62 receiving yards, not great. He's pretty much being used as like a gadget player. He only has a 3.2 yard A dot, which is just not really his game. Um, I definitely don't think JSN's value should tank at this point. There's no other rookie wide receiver that is dealing with more target competition. Like the Seahawks aren't in a spot where they need JSN to produce for them. You have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. You look at some of these other rookie wide receivers, right? You put JSN on the Vikings. It's not like he's probably doing any worse than Jordan Addison. You put him on the Ravens. He's going to be competing to be their wide receiver one. So he was my uh, wide receiver one in this class. Four games isn't going to push me off of it. Plus he's only 21 years old. So it's not like he's an older prospect who's struggling. Um, I'm still very in on JSN. Things should get better throughout the season and definitely long-term still very in. Then we are going to have Zay Flowers, and he has had a very strong start to the season. 24 receptions, 244 receiving yards. He is currently uh, the 10th highest target share at the wide receiver position, and he does just look like he'll be Lamar Jackson's wide receiver one moving forward. 
So you gotta be feeling good about yourself if you did draft Zay Flowers. Now shifting into tier four, we have Tank Dell, Quinton Johnston, and Dalton Kincaid. And Tank Dell is gonna be a massive riser in my rankings. Not only has Tank Dell balled out individually, but it also looks like we talked about with CJ Stroud, looks like his quarterback is probably gonna be like a top 10 QB in the NFL for the foreseeable future. So the fact that Dell is impressing, but now he also has that long-term quarterback stability, that's gonna be big for his dynasty value. In three games as a starting wide receiver, Dell has caught 20 passes for 233 yards and two touchdowns. And I think a lot of people, including myself, thought his role in the NFL might be a little bit capped just based on his size, five foot eight, 165 pounds. He also didn't test like freakishly well. Like a lot of these smaller wide receivers, you want them to have crazy testing metrics. Tank Dell didn't really have it. And so I think a lot of people thought he'd be locked into some sort of slot role or a gadget type player, but that has not happened. He's primarily lining up outside and he has an dot over 12 yards. So a great start to Tank Dell's career and also paired with CJ Stroud. That's gonna be a fun duo to watch moving forward. Behind Dell, we have Quinton Johnston. And I think admittedly, like everyone thought Quinton Johnston was more of a project wide receiver than any of the other first rounders, right? JSN, Zay Flowers, Addison. Johnston was much more raw as a prospect. He just hasn't had a great start to his NFL career. He hasn't scored over three PPR points in a game yet. He will get the opportunity to get some more playing time with uh, Mike Williams out for the season, but it's definitely not ideal that he wasn't able to go out and like beat out Joshua Palmer for that wide receiver three spot. I This may be too low. Like This may be reacting too much to four weeks if I had him right there with Jordan Addison heading into the season, but I also just struggled to put him behind a guy like Tank Dell who's just gone out and flash so early on. So how are you guys feeling about Quinton Johnston? Like, are you fading him at this point? Um, or are you still all in just kind of, you know, waiting for him to break out? Let me know. Um, but then the final player in this tier is going to be Dalton Kincaid. And he's been pretty underwhelming to start off the season. He's getting on the field and he's running a solid number of routes. He's just not being utilized really anywhere near his ceiling. Kincaid is a guy that can win pretty much anywhere on the field. He can beat you deep. He can run those deeper routes. He's just not being utilized that way. His dot is all the way down to three yards, and he has zero deep targets through four weeks. I know tight ends take time to develop, but it really did seem like Dalton Kincaid was the guy who had like the perfect year one situation. Bills are struggling with weapons. You got Gabe Davis as the number two, but then you really have no one relevant as like the wide receiver three. So it seemed like Kincaid could have stepped into that role, been a slot option, been more involved in this offense. So it's disappointing, but we definitely can't, you know, completely tank Dalton Kincaid because we know it does take time to develop. He's a rookie tight end attached to Josh Allen in the long term. He should be fine. Now shifting into tier five, a little bit of a larger tier here. We have Marvin Mims, Zach Charbonnet, Tajay Spears, Roshan Johnson, Luke Musgrave, and Josh Downs. So starting off here with Marvin Mims, in his limited usage this season, he has been electric. He has nine receptions, which through four weeks, nothing crazy, but those nine receptions have gone for 242 receiving yards. That is just under 27 yards per reception. His raw participation, I talk about every single week with the wide receiver start sits and like the waiver wire video, they have been confusingly low. He is not running a ton of routes despite him balling out, but if he continues to you know, give production like this in a small sample size, it's going to be tough for them to continue to keep him off the field. He also had a return touchdown. The dude's just a big play machine. We saw it in college. He's carried it over to the NFL. 
He has the highest uh, yards per route run, so very high on Marvin Mims. I think he will expand his role and be a very interesting fantasy option. Behind him, we have Zach Charbonnet, and not really a ton to say here for Charbonnet. He hasn't played a massive role um, for the Seahawks, but he is still locked in as their clear number two. I think he can earn work throughout the season, and he has that strong second-round draft capital, so I do think he'll be involved um, in his time with Seattle. Then we're going to have Tajay Spears, and he's played a pretty solid role as like Derrick Henry's handcuff, but also has some weekly involvement. He's actually outsnapped Derrick Henry in two of their four games. He has 20 carries and 14 targets through four games, so definitely getting involved as a pass catcher. Obviously not a crazy workload, but being the backup to Derrick Henry, where Henry normally hogs all the opportunities, it's a solid workload there. Derrick Henry's obviously getting up there in age. Tajay Spears could end up being their uh, running back of the future. And then another running back in Roshan Johnson, and he's kind of worked his way into a committee here on the Spurs offense. Seems like Khalil Herbert may have taken it back. You got both of them banged up after the uh, Thursday night game, but the Bears don't have some sort of long-term established running back ahead of Roshan Johnson. He has a three-down skill set. We've seen him operate as their like receiving back, but he's a big dude. He can be an early-down grinder. He can be a goal-line guy. So I just like his kind of versatility, and I think he'll find a way to just be involved in this Bears uh, backfield for the foreseeable future. Then we're going to shift over to the tight end position with Luke Musgrave, and he hasn't necessarily gone out and put up flashy numbers through four weeks, but his involvement has been pretty encouraging here for the Packers. He actually led them in routes run in weeks one, two, and three. I believe he was tied with Dobbs in week three, but in week one and week two, he ran more routes than any of the wide receivers there. Obviously, Christian Watson is out, but that's still a good sign. Um, He's an early second-round pick. He has strong athletic testing, which we like to see um, for the ceiling of these tight ends. And he's also being used down the field. He's not like a low-ceiling, low-A-dot guy. He's leading all tight ends in deep targets, and he is number three in tight ends for A-dot. So I like Luke Musgrave moving forward. And then the final player in this tier, Josh Downs. I was a big fan of Downs as a prospect. Um, I didn't think he would slip as far as he did in the draft, but he has gone into this Colts offense. He's earned a starting role for them out of the slot. He's actually played the second most slot snaps of any wide receiver um, through four weeks, and he's been targeted 27 times through four games. I think this role probably is a little bit capped as like a long-term fantasy option, but I definitely think he could still be a guy who delivers you like a few wide receiver two fantasy seasons. And with where you drafted him, I feel like pretty much everyone would kind of take that outcome there. And now shifting into the final tier, tier six, we are going to have Rasheed Rice, Michael Wilson, Jaden Reed, and Tank Bigsby. So starting it off with Rice here, the Chiefs wide receiver snaps are all over the place. Like there's not one player who's really like separated himself as the clear wide receiver one. The targets are going everywhere. Um, but for Rasheed Rice, when he is running routes, he may not be running, you know, a ton of them, 70 plus percent route participation. But when he is running routes, he is commanding targets and he is producing with them. He has the second highest target rate in the NFL. And I think he's shown enough flashes where we could potentially see him expand on his role throughout the season. There's a lot of dudes in that Chiefs wide receiver room who probably don't have like super high ceilings in terms of their future, right? You've got some veterans there. You've got a guy like Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, who really just haven't broken out and they're no longer rookies. You know what I mean? So Rasheed Rice here as a rookie, commanding targets at a high level. 
I do think he has the best shot to kind of step up, elevate himself to be the wide receiver one in this wide receiver room. I didn't love him as a prospect, to be totally honest, but I think you have to be encouraged with what we've seen so far out of him. Another wide receiver with Michael Wilson, and he has been impressive through four weeks, 14 receptions for 237 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He hasn't necessarily commanded targets as well as some of the other rookies, but I think he's definitely overachieved from what pretty much everyone thought he'd be doing four weeks into the season, especially on this Cardinals offense. Who knows how the rest of the season goes, but I think through four weeks, if you did draft Michael Wilson, you should be feeling pretty good about it. And then the final wide receiver in these rankings, uh, it's going to be Jaden Reed. And not sure what his role is going to look like now that uh, Christian Watson's back. It seems like he's likely going to like slot into that wide receiver three spot um, behind Watson and Dobbs. But in the first four games, he was targeted at least five times in every game. So he's getting involved. He's a 25% target rate. He's second in red zone targets and seventh in deep targets. So even if he's not overly involved throughout the rest of the year, it's encouraging that in his first four games in the NFL, he is getting those valuable opportunities in this Packers offense. It's also just a very young wide receiver room. So who knows how it all ends up uh, panning out there. And then the final guy in this top 24, it's going to be Tank Bigsby. He's the Jaguars running back too. He's worked in on the goal line, hasn't necessarily gotten as much work outside of that as I was anticipating, but I still think he's a decent option, handcuff at this point. And then honorable mentions to Jonathan Mingo and Kendra Miller. I think each of those guys could have slotted in um, somewhere in like the bottom of the top 24, but those are going to be my updated rookie rankings. Let me know how you guys are feeling about those down below in the comment section. As always, thank you for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.